We are live right now with the Painless Wholesaling Podcast. I got my man right here, Nick. How you doing, brother? Doing awesome today. How yeah, you doing? Doing really good. Good to see you. And hey, for everyone that's watching that will listen to this podcast today, the purpose of this podcast is so people, new beginners, whether you're new or you're experienced, can learn from the experience of other investors so they can avoid the pain that goes through learning anything, right? So that's why we call it the Painless Wholesaling Podcast. So I got Nick on here. He is uh, an agent. He builds teams. And we got him on here. We're, we're here to learn from his experiences. So let's go right into it. Nick, what's going on? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Perfect. Thanks. Hey, thanks for having me on, by the way. Appreciate it. Yeah. So um, I'm an investor and a real estate agent. I do probably 50-50 both. I've been uh, selling real estate for 12 years now as an agent. And I've been investing for a little over eight or nine years, something like that. Uh, wow. So I started off as as a realtor and I, I've always wanted to be an investor since mm-hmm. I was like 18. So finally, finally got into it kind of more heavier on the fix and flip side at, at, at the start of it. Mm-hmm. And then I and then I graduated into buying rental properties. Uh, and then I started growing a team, started building new construction properties, started honestly, I just over leveraged like crazy and just started taking on way too many, way too many projects, way too many employees, way too many, too many of everything, too much debt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for, Fortunately, I'm in real estate, so I'm in the process right now. I'm actually I'm downscaling my business this year quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I had a little over 20 employees last last year, and um, everything on my real estate agent side has fortunately stayed sane, normal. Got about 10 people there that are staying. My construction side of the business, no more done. Yeah. Is, is is that because <laughs> of the shift? Is that, is that the market shift? Is that why you're kind of scaling back on that? There's a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm just not meant to be a contractor. Yeah. Um, I can, I can't wear too many hats. The market definitely did not help either. The yeah. market shifting because we had a lot of projects that, you know, I can, I can blame a whole bunch of, whole bunch of reasons for it of not course. working out well. But ultimately, my head wasn't just, you know, 100% in, in the yeah. game, so I couldn't get projects done fast enough. Couldn't get them done cheap enough on time. Right. right. And it all ended up, you know. Not so great. Fortunately, I'm in real estate, so I can get myself out of the mess. I'm right there with you, man. Like at the yeah. beginning in Utah, we got a lot changed too with prices. Like at the beginning of the year, we were crushing it, right? And or last year we were crushing it, and then we we took on some flips, and they made sense at the time, you know, with the ARV that we had. So we flipped, and then by the time they were ready to sell, the property values had dropped like 50 50k or like 75k of what our ARV was. So yeah, we got robbed. Yeah. And we uh you know, we have we still have one that's on the market. We're paying hard money on it. It freaking sucks, but we can't really refinance out of it because the the mortgage, the the payment would be way more than what rents go for in that area, so we can't really do that. So you can really just wait and hope that it rebounds or just cut your losses and sell it at a loss, right? But uh Yeah. That's uh that's kind of what what happened with us. I'm assuming that that happened not only to you, but a lot of people here, right here in the Utah, Idaho area, where the prices have changed. You know. Yeah, yeah, dude, we're we're definitely not alone. We're not the only people going through this. And yeah, when yeah. you say you know almost a 50th grand loss per project, multiply that times 20 with me, yeah. and you know you have almost a million dollars in losses they have to soak up. Yeah. And fortunately, I'm in real estate. I had a good healthy rental portfolio, so mm-hmm. thankfully I'm I'm selling good good portion. You know, like half my rentals, and it's. I, I'll be just fine. I don't have to do much more than just sell some rentals to pay for the mistakes. Right, right, yeah, and 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 it's interesting. I'm su- I'm sure you did really well during the the pandemic when you were flipping, right? Yeah, yeah. For the first for the first half of the pandemic, but but then you know it's it was a, a double edged sword. Yeah. You know, it definitely made our values go up like crazy. But at the same time, it just it was just hard to get anything done on time. Yeah. Um. When you had 
I live in North Idaho and we had a, it was like an escape haven for Californians and people from Seattle. And we just had this massive amount of a wave of um, people moving here that, yeah. uh, and there just wasn't enough houses, wasn't enough contractors, wasn't enough laborers. We had money, but yeah. um, not enough of anything else. <laughs> Has that changed up there? Has it like have those Californians and people from Seattle? You said the wave. Have they gone back or what? Have you yeah, seen yeah, it's definitely slowed down since since the restrictions really loosened up a lot in in California and these other states. We, we haven't seen the panic moving like most people in similar regions yeah. um, for at least for at least uh, uh, nine months or so. People aren't moving here in a panic anymore. So it's becoming more of just a normal market. It's something I, I started in a very, you know, I started in the complete opposite, a very bad market, very buyer centric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of, I, I do well in normal markets. So I'm, I'm excited for what's coming. Gotcha. So tell us about how you got your start in real estate for all the noobs out there, the newbies that we, we love because we all started somewhere. So tell us how you got your start. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I kind of, I started in different phases. I mean, my, I started with my interest being in real estate when I was really young, um, just coming out of high school. Um, I saw my mom make a, a lot of money on the sale of her house yeah. back in the last boom, you know, around 2005-ish, 2005, 2006. She only owned it for about a year. She sold it. She made like 80 grand. And, yeah. and I remember she was a really, she worked at Disney World at the time as an artist and she did really well. She was always, she was gone 12 hours a day, a uh, single mom. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think she made 12 grand that year wow. uh, working 12 hours a day. Didn't make much money, but then, you know, yeah. but she made like 80 grand on her house. And yeah. at that age, just watching that happen, I was just like, dude, I gotta, I gotta get into real estate. Right. <laughs> like yeah. I can't get a job that, that just yeah, seems like that. Wow. Yeah. So it took a while for me to actually get into the game. I, gotcha. I had a lot of jobs and, but I always, I always wanted to get into real estate somehow. Gotcha. Okay. So you got in because you saw, uh, saw that, uh, example and, uh, you said it, later you got into investing at like four, was it four years after you started getting like just listing properties? Is that what you said? Yeah. As a real estate agent. Yeah. So what made you, uh, was it the confidence that took you from, okay, now I feel like I can start investing or how did how that work? Yeah. So, um, I believe when I was 20 years old, I bought my first house, like a residence, and okay. I knew I wanted to keep that as a rental. And at, at that time, I was listening to a lot of Robert Kiyosaki, and but I was still very, very young, very new. I didn't really know how real estate worked. I didn't know understand values. I didn't understand being profitable with a rental. I mean, I was dumb enough to not even understand what the mortgage payment should be and what you should get for rents and actually look into that a little bit before you buy a property. Right. And I was a dumb kid. I, I'm still pretty dumb, but I've learned a lot since. Well, yeah, we all, we all learn. <laughs> so I bought that house back in 2008. The market was going down and I, it took me about a year and a half to get it fixed up as I was living in it to rent mm. it out. And I remember moving out of it and moved back in with my brother temporarily for free as I tried to rent mm. this thing out and it, mm-hmm. it wouldn't rent for like a year. Oh man. Um, I moved. I, so I moved back to, I, I was bouncing back and forth from Florida to Idaho at the time. Yeah. And at this time the market was crashing nationwide mm-hmm. and it was like one of the worst markets was in, in this town in Florida that I used to live in around Kissimmee, mm-hmm. you know, South, Southern Orlando. Oh, cool. Yeah. That place and, is super hot now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, at the time it was, it was the second hardest hit uh, country uh, county in the country. Wow. Yeah. As far as pricing and stuff. So I, I went down there and I started be I started as a real estate agent while I was going through the courses to become an agent. I started having seizures and um, oh man yeah out of nowhere just started mm-hmm. having seizures and I couldn't couldn't work 
or do anything yeah. for, for a few months. Ended up going basically homeless. Lost a lot of weight because I couldn't have any, I didn't have any money to eat anything. Really? Um, so I, I, yeah, it was pretty this is, bad. It's a wild story, man. Yeah. I ended up getting a, I got a job at Disney World as a, uh, I, I had a job just before I started having the seizures as a lifeguard. Okay. A, a Lake Patrol boat guy. Mm-hmm. Then I started having those seizures and um, Disney had to, once they found out I had a seizure, they're like, no, you can't have them working on boats, <laughs> driving boats around. <laughs> Yo. Right. So was, when I, when Disney finally brought me back, they brought me to an arcade to work in. And I remember I was just, I was, it was just so miserable. I, I had lost all this weight, didn't have barely any money. I was making like eight bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. And I remember just taking out the trash one day at this arcade. And um, I'm just like, dude, I got to do something different. <laughs> so I ended up finishing those real estate courses, got my license, started off with, I, and at this time I didn't have a, didn't have a car or anything. Mm-hmm. So I had to start off being an agent without a, a vehicle yeah. in an area I really wasn't that familiar with and no contacts at all. I didn't know anybody. Yeah. So I kind of had a uh, interesting start to my real estate agent career. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. That's the fire, the trial of affliction, yeah. the fire right there. Wow. And I remember it was a it was a tough time for any agents to sell any properties at that time. Right. Um, I remember starting with a few agents. You know, you kind of get to know some people as they're going through courses and they started the same brokerage you do. And I remember the few agents that I started with, none of them sold one house their first year. And they're all coming in the office almost daily. Yeah. And I, I sold 14 my first year. Golly. And I'm not like I'm not like a great salesman or anything, but I was just like desperate. Yeah, yeah. So you were work you you feel like you're out working them? Yeah. That's what it takes, right? Just hard work. That's what it takes, man. Unfortunately, that's the that's the truth, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> that's what it takes. Hard work. You know, eventually eventually you can get smart. Right. Um, but at first you gotta just work your ass off. Yeah, hundred percent. And and then eventually, when you get smart, you just have to have other people do it, right? Or you pay them to do yeah, it. Yeah, you train, you teach them the right way to do stuff. You hopefully learn from all your mistakes, and then you bring on talent, and you teach them not to make your mistakes. Hundred percent. Um, that seems to work. Well, let me ask you a question. What made you stay in Florida? Didn't you have like uh, Idaho? Like, well, can you have gone back instead of just be stay in Florida and like not know anybody? What made you stay there? Yeah. So I eventually did move back. Um, after a couple of years, I got homesick. All mm-hmm. my all my friends and family were in Idaho, so I decided to move back and just kind of hit the restart button and start from scratch. And you know, when when you're a realtor and you move to a different state, you got to start all over again. Yeah, because your database is your business. Exactly. Um, so I, I decided to move back. I took about a one year kind of off. I was still licensed, mm-hmm. but um, I got a job selling cars. Mm-hmm. while I kind of built up a reserve. I saved up 10 grand so yeah. I can jump back in real estate. Let's go. That way I didn't have to start. But yeah. you know, the first time I started real estate, I didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The second time I restarted, I had 10 grand. So I actually, I actually noticed I wasn't as motivated as I was. Mm. Um, so at the start to my, my first new year, I sold like 12 homes and mm-hmm. made not, not the best amount of money, but I always, you know, wanted to get into investing in real estate. Mm-hmm. And that first year I also, when I moved back to Idaho, I flipped my first house with my brother, like a fix and flip. And I remember making, we made 44 grand on mm-hmm. that flip. And, um, at the, at the time, I think I only made 13 grand as an agent that year, but we made 44 grand flipping this one house. Oh my gosh. And, um, it seemed like the best side hustle to just stick <laughs> with. <laughs> like, yo, let's do it. Oh, yeah. wow. 
cool. So, so that's, that's awesome. So, uh, that's, that's how you got started. That's a great story that you overcame all that affliction and you, and you keep, you learn from it. Would you, I'm just curious, would you trade that for, would you like, if you could go back, would you have gone through that, uh, you know, that, that hardship in Florida or do you feel like that's, yeah, I'm just curious. Would you avoid that? Um, I, I definitely wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't go through that. I know yeah. that for sure. So it's hard to say. I mean, it was painful. It was really hard, but going through really hard things can make you just, I just feel like it just makes you tougher and you can handle a lot of bullshit. Yeah, um, because you got to have really thick skin to be an investor or a real estate agent. You're going to get disappointed a lot regularly. Yes. I mean, it's just something you have to handle. Like, and when you're doing a lot of volume, you're disappointed almost every other hour. Um, right? <laughs> with the, yeah, with a seller or a buyer or a mortgage company yeah. or something happening. Title. Yeah, things just out, outside of your control because there's so many people involved in real estate that are just outside your control. So you just gotta you just gotta trust the numbers try to do some decent volume mm -hmm. and, and just know that things are not going to be perfect and right. just accept that and, and just, just push through anyway and try not to get too excited. Try not to get too bummed out. Yeah. Don't anything count. And just don't count that money yeah. until it's in the account. Right. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cause you do not have any money until you get paid. Yeah. man. I, I, we were doing yeah. this deal at the beginning of the year and you know, there were, the I think I was JVing. I was helping one of the students that I help, and uh, they were like getting excited. They're like, "Yeah, the attorney said it's gonna close on Friday," and I'm like, "Don't get too excited," uh, because this I knew this. I always know not to get too excited, but the seller ended up like now. Now the the buyer that we assigned it to is suing the seller because the seller is like not moving out. They're like, "Nah, we ain't gonna move out." So it's just there's always <laughs> something going on. So, but they didn't even oh. go to the closing table. So it's this the sewer this the buyer that we want really wanted the property he already leased it out or was going to lease it out to someone else that said they were going to take it so they're like hey you need to perform we already did all our due diligence we're already ready in the buy the seller's like nah i don't have i don't want to go anymore it's just yeah there's always something there's there's something that's gonna oh happen. gosh yeah yeah i remember buying a house once from a from a seller and they it was about to get foreclosed on by the tax assessor right um, so we worked out this deal um with the sellers and and they they moved out that day and then the next day they move right back in. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, at least so that's um, kind of the situation there. They're getting foreclosed on, so we're like, we need, we're here to help you get out. We're willing to move you. So this is like their best case scenario, right? Before they lose it, but they're they're in the situation of pre foreclosure or foreclosure because they don't take action, right? So they're like, they're not doing, they're not moving. So that's crazy yeah. that they move right back in, though. My gosh, I know. Yeah, that was. How'd you handle That's that? That's what you got. Not the best. No, just kidding. <laughs> you went in there, um, guns and blazing. You know, we, we tried at first the um, the method of, hey, let's get our contractors there at night <laughs> and knock yeah. on the door. And um didn't work. I think these people were used to people knocking on the door. Of um, course. We didn't we didn't get violent or anything. We just oh, we just yeah. took the proper steps. I just you know, I, was, I think that was that was the first time I had to do an eviction. So I just went through the eviction steps. And um fortunately it didn't have to go all the way to the end because they broke into another unit on that property and we were able to get them on trespassing and, and the cops took them out one morning. My goodness. Um, yeah. And I, I don't live in a bad area, by the way. This I just happened to buy the the worst house in the in the city can you, yeah can you believe that like uh the cops can't kick someone out of a house that they don't own like and you have to evict them like or even with squatters right like i was in california i bought a property and they like were having trouble getting the people out because of squatters rights it's like yo this person is staying in a house they don't own like how's this not just super easy just take them out yeah 
And I live in a really, I, I live in a landlord friendly state, right. but still it, it's interesting. Like trespassing is, um, it's all about perspective, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, it is for sure. You see, I was knocking doors today cause I was teaching people how to get deals with no marketing spend. And, uh, I saw like a no trespassing sign on a door and I'm wondering uh-huh. like if you had a sign like that and someone trespasses, but is, is like squatting, like, does that, does that even matter? Like, do those. I mean, it was just a thought I had. I was like, does that do signs even matter? I doubt it. Yeah, no, for sure. I doubt yeah. it too. So yeah, I was going to ask you if you had any crazy experiences with uh, houses, but I mean, you get, just gave us a couple, you know, you gave us that, that one where they move <laughs> in right after you bought it. So yeah. tell, t- tell the audience what you do now and what we can learn from you, what you're up to right at this moment. Yeah. So um, kind of going back to that, like that first fl- house flip, mm-hmm. um, I remember but my brother and I got super excited, you know, starting this new house flipping career uh, or side hustle. Mm-hmm. And I went to a meetup group in Spokane, Washington, and I live in North Idaho. We didn't have any meetup groups in North Idaho at the time that I knew of. And I just thought it was so cool to meet up with investors like on a regular basis. But this this group that was like the closest one to us, it just it just kind of felt really salesy, not as much networking as I thought. I felt like at the time I was in no position to start my own, but I just wanted to, I just threw the idea out there to my broker at the time, Marie Pickford. She's passed away since, but mm. thank rest, you, Marie, for that. Peace, Marie. <laughs> yeah. So she she said I should just start my own here. And I did that. And I, so consistently, this was eight years ago, uh, eight years ago this month, actually. Wow. And you still got it going on? Every, yeah. So we actually do three a month now. Um, but oh. as for the first few years, we just did one a month every month and mm-hmm. we had it open to the public and i remember the first night i did it i had 44 people or so show up like 40 44 45 wow and that's amazing was not expecting that but i it just made me think holy crap if i just and i also kind of got this idea too from this guy he's an agent out of alaska kevin cross mm-hmm. uh, another keller williams agent i think he's mostly just doing commercial now but he was on this he, he had this podcast with gary keller um, at the time. And he just talked mm-hmm. about how he built his real estate sales business um, by doing these monthly meetups. And I just, I just thought it'd be such a cool idea because I was just so used to, you know, you're an agent, you have to make 20 calls a day to get people to even recognize that you're an agent and just do, you know, you're just constantly lead generating. That's yes. all you're doing. You're yeah. calling, you're calling, you're calling, you're calling people that don't want to talk to you. And it just, it just burns you out. Like mm-hmm. no matter who you are, it, it's, it's eventually going to burn you out. Mm-hmm. But I figured if I can get that many people in a room every month and I did the math, I'm like, it's like not calling five or 600 people. <laughs> it's like doing the same amount of phone calls to get that many yeah. people in front with of you to con- just say, Hey, yeah. I'm a real estate agent. Let me know if you need my help. Yeah. Like um, with the contact the- rate and everything, you got to call that many people to even get someone on the phone. And, um, and I was, I, I was deathly afraid of like speaking in public or standing in front of a group of people, mm-hmm. but I, I eventually got used. I figured I would rather do that than, than make 20 calls a day. So I just convinced <laughs> myself, you know, just before these meetings, I'll take two shots of alcohol <laughs> and go. I'll just, and I'll find a guest speaker. So I don't have to do all the speaking and I'll, I'll make sure half of it's for networking, you know, yes. just like what I, what I would want. Yeah. Um, so it just, and it was, it's, it was fantastic. That first year, I remember a lot of people telling me that it's the best meetup in, in the whole like region that they know of. Wow. Um, amazing. So I just started doing it, cons- been doing it every month since. And uh, eventually grew a team out of it. Everybody on my team, eventually, a lot of them like we found from these meetings that would wow. show up or they were clients of ours. And yeah, it's just it's just been an incredible opportunity of a very low overhead way 
yes. to to bring in a lot of leads over time. So now, I mean, eight years later, the, a lot of people in the community know who I am, uh, especially the investors. And I, our marketing budget's really low. You know, we we buy cookies once a month. That's about it. <laughs> <My goodness. laughs> and a book. We give away a book. Yeah. Nice. See, dude, that's exactly what I try to teach people. Like everyone thinks they need to go out and spend money on lead gen, like pay-per-click campaigns, mailers. It's like, look, if you hold a monthly investor meetup, like you said, and go talk to people, you know, that's that's low and you're going to find opportunities. Every RIA or every event I've ever been in, I found someone that's done a deal from an event, right? They're like, yeah, man, that's yeah. how I found. I just was networking. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, because you can go, I, I have everybody introduce themselves as they go around the room. And once in a while, I'll stop, like at the end, you know, sometimes, sometimes we'll have 60 people there, but everybody right. introduces themselves. They let them know what they do. You know, I'm either, I'm a contractor, I'm a hard money lender, or I'm a title person, or I'm an insurance agent. Uh, I'm a wholesaler. I'm a wholesaler. I'm a wholesaler. There's a lot yeah. of wholesalers that come. Yes. Um, yes. I'm a, I'm a very long-term buy and hold guy. You know, there's all kinds of people in the room, but by the end of it, I just say, so who hasn't been here before? And there's probably 10 hands or so that show up that go up, but we get a lot of regulars and I'm like, do you think showing up here regularly, you can do business with maybe some of these people and that's all you need to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. And it works. You know, there's, there's been newbies that have come to my meetings knowing nothing about real estate and they just show up regularly and then all of a sudden they become an investor. Amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's just awesome. It's consistency. That's all it is. Yes, exactly. That's what I tell people when I, in my course or what I teach people to get started. It's like you, yeah, you just need to show up to some meetings consistently, mm -hmm. you know, and because everybody there that's experienced wants you to go find deals for them. <laughs> so they'll tell you what to go find or what to do. It's, it's pretty yeah. simple. So the amazing part that I didn't know that would eventually happen because you know i didn't have all this you know some master plan it just kind of morphed into what it was yeah um but i after a couple of years i my business started changing from i was helping a lot of regular retail buyers and sellers and all of a sudden i became mostly working i started mostly working with wholesalers and i became like their go-to agent in north idaho and there were a lot of wholesalers in like just across the border in spokane or or in the area and i would be their go-to guy to kind of help them get an idea what of values after repair values Mm -hmm. Sometimes I might even go with them on their seller meetings. Um, yeah. And I would usually have first shot at buying a property. So it was, a, it was an awesome opportunity to get listings and to, and to buy investment deals directly Dang. from these people. And I didn't, and I didn't have to go market to sellers at all. They did it for me. Wow. Do you, do you feel like it's because of that little pocket of Northern Idaho that you had this opportunity or you feel like you could, you could do this in any market? for people that are watching that are maybe in Atlanta or bigger, bigger metros. You can, you can definitely do this in any market if you're consistent it. about it. I mean, I feel like, I think we're at a kind of a disadvantage a little bit because we only, we only have like 800 listings in our MLS right now. We, we have a very, we don't, we don't have a huge database and we have 3000 agents, you know, yeah. there's for every, uh, for every hundred people in our County, I think there's two agents. It's, it's pretty ridiculous. So there's a lot of competition yeah. uh, in a very small town. Um, so I think there if I was go. in a bigger, if I was in a bigger pocket, I, um, like I, because I was an agent in Orlando, Florida, yeah. and I know if I would have stayed there and did what I'm doing today, I'd probably be doing a lot better, um, <laughs> just because of the, the sheer amount of volume. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's just that's just my take. Um, no, I I agree yeah. with you. I think I think you're right. That's what I was uh, I thought you would say is it doesn't matter where you're at, right? Uh, it's uh, yeah. as long as you take the action. So that's 
something that I've been finding out a lot recently since I've been doing coaching is just a lot of people want this lifestyle or they want to succeed, but they're not willing to take the action. A lot of people are scared. They're uncomfortable. They see it, but they, they just don't want to do it. What, what advice would you give for people that maybe feel like that, that they see this, they want it, but they're just yeah. don't want to do it. Well, I mean, if you don't want it, you got a problem, probably should go do something else. If you're scared, that's okay. Everybody is, you know, I, I get scared all the mm -hmm. time. I was super nervous about buying homes. Um, every, everything was very scary to me until you start doing one or two. And then you start realizing it's not so bad. It's just right. a job. You just got to be just careful. Do your due diligence. Yeah. Sorry. Did that answer your question? No, that, I think that's I it. The yeah. yeah. No, the, the, the question was just like, what the, what advice do you have for people that are scared? Right. And you said just, yeah. Oh, get, get committed to something. Um, so what I did, you know, I was, I was afraid to have these meetings, um, mm -hmm. at first, but what I did was I put it on the calendar and I put it out there on meetup. I put it on the REI club website. I put it on bigger pockets. Um, I put it on a couple other different outlets online and I made it indefinite. And then I told, and I was able to work at with Keller Williams office to make sure I was always booked the first Thursday of each month at six 30, uh, to have this meeting. So I became ultra committed. I got married to that time slot Yeah, and I, and I, I didn't have any other option. I had to show up or the public would come to lock doors and I couldn't have that happen. Yeah. So exactly. whether I wanted to do it or not, I had, I made myself committed publicly. So if there's a way, if, if somebody's just scared, but they really want something, I would do something that gets you committed to it, you know, or buy into a mentorship program or something, um, yeah. spend some money. If you're not bought into something, you're not going to be committed to anything. I agree with you. Yeah, hundred percent. So let me ask you the these last couple of questions about your meetup. So what made you go from one a month to multiple? What what was there uh, the amount of people that were willing to go? To tell me what made you do that. Yeah. So um, it was it was the people on our that eventually I started having on my team. After a year of doing it, I met my my partner Joe Turner, mm -hmm. and she runs my real estate team with me fifty fifty. I met her in two thousand summer 2000 so about a year and a half after i started doing these meetings and she was just getting her real estate license um but she i mean she seemed crazy motivated wanted to go knock on doors and all that stuff um and i gave her a challenge i'm like hey jo join me let's build a team together someday and if you can do if you can sell like 30 houses and blah 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 in your first year i'll make you a partner mm -hmm. um so she was my first buyer's agent and after a year i think she sold like 33 houses or something like that she did great yeah um and I, and I stuck to my word. I made her a 50-50 partner. We grew a team together. Eventually, she recruited a guy the year after, mm -hmm. or two years after, uh, Tyler Wagner. Mm -hmm. And he, he wanted to move to Sandpoint an hour north of us. And we thought maybe he could be our branch up in Sandpoint. And he's been doing that meeting the second Thursday of each month. Wow. Um, at this brewery up in, in Sandpoint. Wow. But um, and now and then he's grown a team within our team. Okay. So he's got four he's got four people under him, or sorry, three. So different locations, not not all in the same location. Yeah, so it's a different location. And then we just recently um a few months ago started a meetup in our office again the third thursday of each month and my partner joe turner she kind of more heads that one up um, because she's more focused in investing out of state so mm -hmm. that is kind of it's called our out-of-state investor meetup oh, cool. um so they so they focus and talk mostly on investing out of state because wow. she's bought she's recently bought a bunch of multifamily in the midwest nice so but it's just another outlet for 
people to show up and for, for us to just say, Hey, we're real estate agents. If you need help. Yeah. Um, I love it. It's, it's great marketing. Did you ever run the meetings like during lunchtime or during the day, or has it always been at, after people get off of work, like after in the evening? Yeah. It's always, it's always been the same, the same date, same time. It's always been the first Thursday of each month at 6 30 PM. Gotcha. Cause I, I run, I started a monthly event, but I do it during lunchtime and uh, you know, I don't get that turnout. Maybe it, it, it takes time, but I, I do know that obviously if you did it after people got to work, it'd probably be a great larger turnout. I, that's why yeah, I was asking you if you tried both. Yeah. And you know, it's not convenient for everybody. I know that's, that's family time and stuff, but we, it's a Thursday night. It's not Friday night. It's not Saturday night. It's mm-hmm. not a Sunday. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't have stuff going on Thursday nights. And we also put our meetups online too, for the people that can't make it. Oh, you do? On, you we stream, stream them? them on face. Yeah. Facebook live. Does that um, help too? So, do you feel like there's quite a few people that attend the, the lives? Well, they're off and on, you know, a lot of people are these days that they can't hold their attention for more than a minute or two. And then, and then they're off, but, but you will see there's these end up having like hundreds of views. And we, we thought that was pretty interesting. And we learned during COVID, we, we took two months off during COVID mm-hmm. at the start when they really strongly recommended not having groups. <laughs> yeah. So for, for two months, right at the start of COVID, we were just doing them online and we would, we'd sit at a big round table at table and just and do it on facebook Mm -hmm. and there would be only you know four or five people that would be watching live but we noticed by you know a week later all of a sudden like four or five hundred people have viewed this and we're just like damn that's that's a lot more eyeballs than um you know a normal meeting we get 40 to 50 people yes um makes sense we get almost 10 times the exposure um just by having it out there in the ether long term that anybody can always go back and and check it out so, so it's you, just it's just another thing. It's it's not not something we're ever going to switch to long term, but it's something that we have out there if somebody really wants to check out the meeting, but they can't for whatever reason. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, having it streamed uh, it, like doesn't incentivize people to sh- go, or do you feel like they'll they're going to show up no matter what, and the people that str- watch it online will watch it? Yeah. So the people that really just want to watch it online or something, I think they're more there for, just for the content. Okay. They're there to learn something, to hear from the guest speaker, or or look at my market updates. And, and I think that's perfect. They, they don't have to come. But I think the majority of the people that want to come, they want to come because they want to network. And it's a networking event. And you're only going to do it efficiently if you're there face to face with another person. And you can shake hands and hand your business card to them. And for sure. And work that out. Yeah. The reason I ask you is is because I don't stream mine right now. But I thought I'm thinking, mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Like it you know, the people that aren't able to go or might get more views or more people might be able to see what happened, you know, five, like you said, that's what was happening for years. So it's not a bad idea. Yeah. And it's not, we don't overdo it with like the production or anything. Mm -hmm. We just, I just simply, I'll grab my cell phone or my, our, our team manager's cell phone and we'll just put it on a little tripod and we're not, we're not always mic'd up. Sometimes we're mic'd up. Yeah. And then, and we've also had a lot, my, I had a, um, for a little while, couple of years uh, a media company that mm-hmm. my friend ran with me and now he runs a podcast with me oh cool but he was he was like actually doing like the production of filming the meetings and then editing them put them on youtube later so yeah. they weren't live streamed or anything but they're mm-hmm. on youtube so anybody can watch it another time so right. we've done a lot of different mixes of things but the easiest thing to do is just simply grab a cell phone go to one of your group pages and hit the go live now button yeah yeah and they just set it in the corner i feel like People that really tune in for that kind of stuff, they're not looking for high, you know, they're not looking for production quality as long as they can hear what's going on. Yeah, for sure. And kind of, you know, just like they're sitting in a, a chair 
in the room. Um, that makes sense. It's for those people. Cool. Well, I'll probably try it. I'll probably try it. And you, you said, like you said, it's a cell phone on a tripod. Nothing crazy. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Nick, man, I, I you've actually, I, I really appreciate this because for me, just for me, not for the viewers, but this has helped me yeah. a lot because I run a meeting too. And, you know, I, I'm always looking for ways to improve. But uh, for the viewers that are watching, do you have any anything else you'd like to leave them with, like a golden nugget, anything specific? Man, just, um, I mean, it's all about your network is your net worth. So if your net worth is not there yet or not where you want it to be, you're probably not networking enough. Yeah. So make it, make it a, a real effort to actually follow what your calendar says and just regularly put these meetings in your calendar and then do what your calendar says. Um, and then you might hit your goals. <laughs> I like that. I like how easy that is. If your network, your network is your net worth. And if you don't have that net worth, you're probably not networking. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's true. Yeah. It's it's it, it was true for me when I first started wholesaling, I kept to myself and I just grinded and it was just, I wasn't really yeah. trying to talk to anyone. I was like, I'm just trying to do deals. And, and once I stopped just thinking of it was just me against the world. Yeah. Everything changed. You can only get, so, I mean, you can make a lot of money doing that, but right. eventually the clock will beat you. Yeah. And it's not as fun that way. You don't, you can't right. impact as many people. You, you kind of looking at it as a, you know, uh, not an abundance mentality. You have a scarcity mentality, but I'm, I'm sure right now you're all about uh, abundance because you, you know, you see how much is out there. You want to get so many people in on your meetings. You want to help out as many people. As, it's just a better life to live. Yeah. I mean, there, there truly is an abundance of wealth out there. There's an abundance of deals out there. There's a, an abundance of people out there. You just gotta, you just gotta be willing to, to give too. For you can't, sure. you can't just be a taker in this world. You gotta, you gotta, whatever you give, you'll typically get more than what you're given. So just 100%. go out there and, and offer value to people as much as you can, and it will come around. For sure. Well, Nick, uh, wh where can my uh, audience reach you if they want to hit you up, ask you some questions, or uh, you know, get get a hold? Yeah. Of you? Um, our website's an easy place to go. Uh, NorthIdahoREI.com, uh, or you can find me on Facebook, Nick Beverage. Unfortunately, I'm an old I, I'm an old person, so that's all I have is my Facebook. I've been really wanting to do Twitter or something different, but I'm just are you a boomer, stuck dude? In my ways. I guess. No, I'm only 35 <laughs> or 36. I know. But... I'm just kidding. But yeah, but you got the boomer mentality. You only got the Facebook. <clears throat> I know. I'm there with all my, you know, elderly people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's, it's funny. I, you're like, man, I want a Twitter. I just don't know how to, if I should. It's, I was kind of there because I was like, I don't use Twitter. And I just went to the app Twitter and then I created one within like freaking seconds. So, oh, I, I have a Twitter. I just don't know how to post and stuff to it i, I mean oh, i'm sure right? i can figure it out i'm just it's just another thing like man i i know i should be a lot more active on socials i sorry youtube i guess is one of them we yeah, I, yeah. we put a lot of stuff on youtube there you go but, you, um, you just remember that one you're like oh, yeah. yeah youtube yeah i'm a youtube facebook kind of guy yeah um like it one of these days i'll i i, I hope to have like a media person that will handle it all for me. So I don't have to personally do it. Yeah. Um, it, it is kind of stressful to post all the time. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of work. It's a lot of well, work. Well, you just get sucked in. I'm, I'm the kind of guy that like, I'll get sucked into like looking at comments. Anytime I post anything, <laughs> yeah. I just want to see what people are saying. Yeah, man. Um, and if I had like, you know, 10 
platforms. Yeah. I don't think I get any work done because I'm just, you know, I'm an insecure person and I got to go see what people are saying about me. Dude, I, <laughs> you know? dude, I'm, I'm a huge YouTube guy where I, I, I immediately yeah. see a video that I'm like, I think is entertaining and I just go right into reading the comments. I'm like, what do people have to say about this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's some people that just say some ridiculous stuff. It's some of it's hilarious, but yeah, yeah cool. Well, Nick, again, a pr uh, privilege to have you on here. I, I look forward to, um, you know, connecting more. I, uh, apologies in the beginning. I was like, uh, brain was scrambled. And let me tell you why my brain was a little scrambled in the beginning. So I woke up. I'm doing this 30-day challenge. I don't know if I told you about it. No. I'm going, What's that I'm all about? Yeah, so I'm going to a brand new market and uh, with no money and um, no no existing experience in that market. I'm showing people start to finish how to get a deal in less than, in, in less than 30 days. So I started okay. the day off. I went and knocked doors because I was showing people how to do it live. So right after I knocked doors, I ha showed people how to um, make offers to agents. So I did that for an hour and then I did another call. So I'm doing a lot of like showing, showing people how to take action. So by the time it was time for us to call, I'll, my brain's just like, scramble it's it, it's all that action you know, <laughs> yeah i've yeah. all that so it's a lot but well, uh, go, go eat a protein bar and you'll you'll feel better that's that's <laughs> the, that's what i need i haven't eaten yet so that's why i need to eat but thanks nick again and uh we'll, no problem we'll stay in touch all right all right have a good one thanks later bye